This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Hi, Raw Beauties. I would like it if you could grab a water. You know, I'm huge on water first. Grab your tea, grab your coffee, get comfortable because today on the show, I have one of the most incredible women who has just such an interesting, beautiful, public, now I feel like more private life. And we're going to dive into all different angles of this woman's story. Trista is joining me. If you are, put up your hand right now, if you are one of the OG bachelor, bachelorette fans, because I know I was, (laughs) and I will never forget watching this show for the first time and being like, what is happening right now? (laughs) Like, is there, somebody's actually going to get engaged. And I remember thinking this will never work. And yet here we are like 15 years later, 20, almost Almost 20 20 years later. Yeah. Trista is sitting here. She is married to the man that she met on the show. (laughs) She is a mother to two now almost teenage, two teenage, one 11 and 13. Yeah. Tween and teen. Yep. Tween and a teen. She is an author. She is a podcast host. I mean, she's been on countless shows and magazines and on other podcasts. And I feel so lucky to have you here today for a conversation about relationships, body image, self-love, wellness, and what all of it means to you. So thank you for joining us today, Trista. Thank you. That was so sweet. I am so excited to be here. I mean, I, you know, as some may know, I had Aaron, I had you on my podcast, Better Etc. And I just loved our conversation. Like, I feel like you're a long lost friend and we could have talked for hours. So thank you so much for having me. I completely agree. I think you're such an incredible podcast host. You had so many amazing answers and brought out a lot of things that I hadn't necessarily talked about yet. So I feel like we will absolutely link to that episode and that conversation that we had where we kind of flipped roles and you hosted me and your podcast is just, it's so needed and so wonderful. And it's so great to see you back using your voice so publicly and sharing your gift to the world. So let's dive in. Yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. I want to know a little bit about your relationship with your body. How would you describe oh. your relationship? I'm like, oh God. Let's start with the, <laughs> the number, the very first relationship that we have often as women. I mean, mm. like, okay, fair enough. Our parents and our siblings and our parents. Right. <laughs> the relationship that we have that, that can become very complicated for us or beautiful. What's your relationship with your body like? Oh, it's been a roller coaster since, you know, I first knew that I had a body. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I feel like really it has changed and evolved. And obviously that it does for everyone when you're a child, like for me as a child, it was a vessel for sports and competition and, and play and, and that sort of thing, getting out in the neighborhood and playing kickball or competitively playing soccer or softball or swimming or whatever. So it was, it was really just 
used purposefully to be able to do the things I loved. And it still is that now. I mean, when I when I was growing up, it was more about being able to attract a guy that I liked. And and then of course when I attracted the guy and then we made babies and having those babies and growing those babies inside of me. So I went through that. I went through infertility. So wondering if there was something wrong with my body and, and then of course, birthing these beautiful humans, which I was incredibly thankful for my body. You know, it, it changed into something just purely beautiful, you know, and, and something I was truly grateful for. Not that I didn't have difficulties with pregnancy and labor and all of it. And now I find, especially after COVID, I was, I was depressed. I was unmotivated. I still have a little bit of the lack of motivation. Yeah. And it's, so I'm trying to get back. Like I really, truly value fitness and health. And I just feel like I was not motivated at all. Mm. I was, I was caught up in the fear. I was caught up in the isolation. I was caught up in not connecting with people and still am to a degree. And so the motivation wasn't there. I wasn't working out. And now I just feel like I'm not proud of my body. I want to be, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm 48. And I know that I'm getting older and I have to accept that. And it's, it's so, it's not as easy, not nearly as easy as it used to be in terms of just getting back to the gym. And I used to, in my twenties, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I, I went on vacation and I ate whatever I wanted and I did this and that and the other thing. And I didn't work out for a month. And so I go back to the gym for a week and it's right back where it was right before, you know, and now that's not the case. Like I have to really, really, really put in effort almost every day in order to get back to that level of fitness that I'm proud of, where I feel Mm -hmm. healthy. I feel fit. I feel strong. I feel happy and proud. So that's kind of where I am now and kind of the evolution of where I've been in the relationship with my body. I feel like everyone who's listening right now has been nodding their head like, yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. Uh, So relatable. Me too. I mean, I feel like everyone has felt the ebbs and flows of motivation this year, a fear of the isolation. It's impacted all of us. And so sometimes on Instagram, you go on and you see like the fitness pros and they're like, don't miss a day and you've got to keep doing it and push harder and blah, blah. blah. And like, I don't know. I just have felt tired some mornings, Mm -hmm. like waking up earlier to work out just didn't feel where I was at. And so thank you for sharing that. Cause I think a lot of us are feeling the same way or have the same way. So you said that (laughs) your body was your tool Mm -hmm. for, or your vessel for being able to play and have fun and live your life until that point when you realized that you had a body. What age was that for you when you first remember realizing I have a body and it can attract boys or not? I don't know what was, or what was your first realization about it? I don't know if there was an exact moment, but I know that I was started becoming attracted to the opposite sex at about fifth, sixth grade. Yeah. Fifth or sixth grade. So well, now what is middle school for my kids? So we had junior high, which was seventh and eighth grade. And and really it ramped up in seventh and eighth grade because 
the girls, you know, there were way more girls, people were wearing makeup and, and dressing to attract, you know, and talking about boys and that sort of thing. So it was probably actually more like seventh and eighth grade because in fifth and sixth grade, I was still in elementary school. So we didn't like no one at that point in time was, was dolling themselves up, if you will, you know, now they are, but (laughs) now they, I want to slow down drastically on cars when they're 13 years old. (laughs) So yes, I, I believe it was around seventh and eighth grade when I really had my first kind of real boyfriend, if you will. And so that's when I started being very self-conscious of what my body looked like and whether it fit into what society's vision of beautiful was and ask my mom if I could buy certain things like skirts and tighter shirts or whatever, those sort of things to be able to, you know, enhance my, my God given assets. If you <laughs> Boobies. <laughs> yeah. I think it was probably in seventh and eighth grade when I, when I really truly came to the awareness that Mm -hmm. my body was, was an external representation of me to other people. You know, we just lightly touched on it, but the way that not all girls by any means, but girls are showing up younger and younger in sexier clothes and more makeup and all the filters. It's interesting because I do think a lot of women start to become more self-conscious of their bodies around the age that they're starting to look at attracting their partner, whether that's male or female, but all of a sudden we become a lot more aware of what is this other party looking for. Mm -hmm. And so, so often we're turning to our peers to figure out what that is. Magazine covers, TV shows, now it's social media for the kids. Porn is so much more accessible for them. And so this is where they're seeing what the other sex is attracted to and try and shape ourselves to that. It's, it's, I don't know. I mean, you're a mom and have a tween girl. Are you seeing this with your daughter, with her friends and the pressures on her younger than you remember it being for yourself? 100%. She's in sixth grade. She's 11. And, you know, even in movies, movies and TV shows, like she loves makeup and actually part of the makeup thing for her is a creative outlet. So yeah. she loves the creativity of it. She showed up around Halloween time. I was sleeping and she came into my room and she had like created this thing of like blood um, coming down her, the front of her face. And it's a very creative, like an artsy kind of thing for her as well. But not to say that she doesn't, she isn't starting to think about the boys, because their their grade is actually pretty pretty boy and girl crazy. They're very aware of the opposite sex, which oh, is so freaking scary to me. It's so scary to me. Oh, I hate it. Um, and actually, she had TikTok. She doesn't have it anymore, but that was her only social media outlet. And so she doesn't have that. She does, you know, look on YouTube and she watches videos and actually watches a lot of makeup gurus, I guess you could say like uh, James Charles and and that sort of thing for, I mean, really honestly for the creativity part of it, but it is a scary, scary, scary world as a parent to be raising 
a daughter with social media, I, I just feel like things are happening faster. I just heard the other day about how a girl, well, around, I won't say any details about it, around the same age as engaging in something sexual. And wow, it's horrifying to me. Not like she's not having sex, but, yeah, but something they're... along those lines. And they're, yeah. you know, they're curious about it. And I get the curiosity, but it just makes me so worried as a mom. So yeah, I want to, I want to hold on to that innocence for as long as possible for Blakesley so that she doesn't have to get into the worry of not being enough and, and comparing herself and all, all of those things. I want to, I want to hold off on it as long as possible. I just don't know if I have that power. <laughs> oh, don't we all want to just wrap them in bubble wrap? And- yes. Keep them safe. I just finished reading Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, and I feel like it is just a book every mother needs to read as a reminder that we can't bubble wrap them. We can we can do things like manage the the TikTok accounts and things like that, but that also in the journey and in the struggle is where they're going to find their strength. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. 
We're going to press pause for a moment to share a little bit about this episode's sponsor. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. Prescription acne treatment really works, but it's hard to get. You have to take time off work to see a doctor and sit in line at the pharmacy for your medications until Apostrophe. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately and your medications are delivered straight to your home. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then just snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. The best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medications so that you can treat your acne from the inside out and the outside in. Apostrophe treats acne and they can also help you hit your other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. I tried Apostrophe and was blown away by how simple the online process was and yet at the same time I really felt cared for with the questions that they asked about my skin, the fact that the dermatologist looked at pictures and was able to pinpoint specific things that Apostrophe could support with. So to get started just go to apostrophe.com slash raw and click begin visit then use the code raw at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe.com, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E.com slash raw and use that code raw to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast and making this episode possible. In our conversation on your podcast, Better Etc., you brought up that you sometimes struggle with comparison and Hmm. insecurity. And I would love, you know, for you to share a little bit about that because I think we all do. I think we all do. Oh, oh yeah. I feel like I always have since I was at that age, like seventh and eighth grade and, you know, the competition, if you will, and it was never talked about in this way, but I think looking back on it, the competition to, you know, be someone's girlfriend and, and get that guy and, and all those things. And mind you, I, I was also focused on my education and, you know, it wasn't all about boys for me. It was, that was just a part of it, but of course we're talking about it. So that's where the focus is, but you know, always there's been comparison. It's whether I was smart enough or whether I was as, as someone else, I guess. And so I was in AP classes with some of the smartest people, well, probably the smartest people in my grade in my high school. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would compare myself to whether or not I was as smart as them. I would compare myself to my friends. And if I was as pretty or as skinny or as, as liked or whatever. And, and so that started in high school. And then my like boyfriend, we were on and off for a while in high school. And so if he would go to, you know, hang out with other girls, I would compare myself to those other girls. Well, why doesn't he like me? And why is he going to hang out with this other girl? So that the comparisons were there. And then of course, being on the bachelor, (laughs) I mean, you're comparing yourself and saying, holy cow, like, and I actually, I feel like I, I had a good way of looking at it in that, I was there. And if I met his 
if we were compatible, if we were interested in each other, then great. And I tried not to compare myself to the other women, but of course you're going to, I mean, you're living in the same house. (laughs) You're fighting, quote unquote, fighting for the same guy. And then of course, social media arrives and, and then the comparisons are flying all around me all day long. Same kind of questions. Am I pretty enough? Am I, or am I as pretty? Am I as smart? Am I as able to be successful? Am I as good of a mom? Am I as fit? Am I as healthy? Am I all the things. It goes on and on. And on now and on. you're in a public platform. So everyone else gets to weigh in on that in the section and in the tabloids and in the papers. Did you feel like going on the show exasperated this insecure, not insecurity, but like that, well, that insecure voice. So that's not you, but that can come out. And in certain situations, did it sort of light that up a little bit? Oh, big time. How could it not? How How can it not? not? How literally can it not? Like if you choose to be on social media and I'm mostly on Instagram, although I am on Facebook as well and Twitter, especially with, with Instagram and, and Facebook now, but because Instagram is highly focused on the, on the photos, you know, and seeing what these people look like and what they're doing with their lives. And, you know, I, I know in your, your trailer or your description of this podcast, it's really talking about the getting away from the highlight reel, you know, and that's what Instagram is this highlight reel of, of all the good things in everybody's lives. And I think that it's, it's changed a bit in that I follow a lot more accounts that are focused on authenticity and truth and, and, that isn't always the highlight reel. So I love those accounts like Sarah Nicole and Birds Papaya, like perfect example of she, she puts it all out there and does not care. Like my favorite post of hers, which I think was actually one of her most viewed was, I don't know if I'm sure you saw this, but where someone called her out for, she was wearing this pink, like cat suit kind of thing. And someone Mm -hmm. called her out for her nipples being out. And then after that, I mean, this does sound like Sarah. I I love her so much. She's amazing. She would be wearing a pink left, like onesie with her nipples hanging. Exactly. (laughs) But no, it was like her nipples, you could see them kind of poking through. And someone called her out. And she, so she afterwards, she felt like she took the nipple and she put it all over her body. Like it was like a (laughs) nipple cat suit. I just love her. I mean, right. So anyway, I... I'm drawn to more of those, but yes, how can you not? How can how, how can you not? And the thing is that I I earn a little bit of my living through social media. You know, I don't promote any companies that I don't feel authentically connected to. But yes, it's true. Like I am on Instagram a lot because I also earn a living through mm-hmm. it. So I have to be on it. And I I know some people who aren't on social media at all. And I feel like they, <laughs> they have a lighter life. Like they just, they don't get into those comparisons. I really truly wish that I, that I could, it's also an addiction for me. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Like I am addicted. I want to see what everyone's doing. I want to be connected. I, you yeah. know, I want to be able to share a part of our lives because people relate to it, you know, in a way. So actually my social media story started because I wanted to connect with our family and friends. Like initially, yeah. like I just wanted yeah. to share pictures of what we were up to because 
no one lives here in our same town, you know, our family and friends. So, I mean, from my college, high school growing up, I started it out of wanting to connect with the people I was already connected to Mm. and strengthen those bonds. And now it's definitely grown into, I think, obviously more of an addiction and, and something that I need to have in my life, but it's hard. It's really hard because you, you have to have an extremely strong sense of self worth and self-esteem. And for me, that hasn't always been the case. Mm. I really think that you might possibly want be one of the most relatable guests we've ever had on the show. <laughs> I'm like, are you me? Is this me talking or is somebody else? I mean, we know we know that social media is addictive. We know that it makes our life heavier in moments and it brings us joy in moments. And yet we keep going back to it over right. and over and over again. Yeah. Now being somebody who has that voice, I call it your fearful friend. Mm-hmm. Patty, um, I think Peggy, Peggy, we named it Peggy. Peggy, we named it <laughs> Peggy. So Peggy has moments when she gets really loud and when she's comparing and insecure and that like voices is, is chiming up. What have you learned over your time on social media, on reality TV and beyond? Um, what have you learned helps you quiet Peggy or soften that voice? Honestly, like getting a good night's sleep is probably pretty big, really engaging with my kids and, and trying to just focus on them, Mm -hmm. you know, making it not about me, um, travel, honestly, because that fuels me. Like I live for travel and, and those experiences so that I can kind of get away and escape, if you will. Another escape for me is honestly television or podcasts or movies. So participating in that escapism just so I'm not in my head as much. And, you know, we talked about this on my podcast, but I haven't been a person to meditate Mm. because I, I felt like it was kind of over my head in a in a way, it was a lofty goal and something that I felt like I couldn't really attain. But after talking to you, after talking to Kelly Wolf, who's a friend of mine, who's a life coach, and both of you sharing kind of the ways that you can meditate and how it's not sitting down with your legs, you know, crossed like the the, the pictures of a Buddhism and, and all of that. Like, I just felt like I just couldn't achieve that. Mm-hmm. But how meditation is actually just quieting your mind and, and becoming one with the present in a way. And your tips on taking the walk and, you know, the first part talking, thinking about the past and then thinking about the future and then bringing yourself back to the present that, and then my friend Kelly talks about like looking in your immediate vicinity and acknowledging three things in your vicinity or two things just to bring you to the presence. And that's a way of meditating. So I feel like I, I now have a little bit more of a grasp on how I can meditate and just getting those quiet moments. But I've always been a person that I feel like if I'm not being productive, then I'm quote unquote lazy. And Mm -hmm. I, I have this thing with being lazy. Like I 
I look down on it. I value productivity. And so if I'm not being productive and if I'm, I'm just sitting still and being quiet, yes. then that's, you know, it's not productive to me. And so I've always kind of, I guess, looked down on it in a way because I wasn't thinking of it as a way to give back to myself and self-care and self-love, but it was taking away from my levels of productivity. So I would love to get better at that, but that's kind of where I've been. And I don't even know what your question was. Now I'm backing up. (laughs) All the things that that quiet Peggy's. Yes, Peggy, Peggy, right. right. And so you mentioned sleep, really engaging with your kids, taking the focus off of you and placing it on something outside of you. Travel, TV, acknowledge that that might be escaping a little bit, but Mm -hmm. in moments, especially in years like we've just had, we do sometimes need to push the easy button for ourselves. Like we need to turn off the news and we just need to sit our asses down Mm -hmm. and read the light book or watch the light show and just allow our nervous system to reset a little bit. So I think that's actually a really important one, perhaps now more than ever before. And then I love that you're talking about how meditation seemed unattainable or the story that you created is like, I I can't do that. It's not productive enough. I'm just going to sit with my eyes closed. Like who's going to be vacuuming and who's taking the kids there. And like, I got shit. Right. Exactly. Right. But yeah, but again, this is a story that so many of us as women carry, like do not rest, do not take care of yourself. That's selfish. That's not actually doing anything. And I think what many of us are experiencing has been burnout and anxiety and depression. And we realize when we don't give ourselves that time to pause or rest or go inward, that everything kind of falls apart. Yeah. Peggy actually gets louder in that case. Peggy gets loud. (laughs) Okay. I want to just dive into some questions that I know everybody will want to know because people first met you, even though your story began long before The Bachelor, people first met you and fell in love with you when you were on the show. Mm -hmm. So I love hearing that, you know, in high school, there wasn't this outward competition for the boys, but you ended up on this reality TV show where <laughs> the whole premise is basically people competing for love. You, the first time were runner up and then you went on, you had your own show, your own like smorgasbord of handsome men. <laughs> I love it. Yes, I did. To choose from, And you met Ryan and you two fell in love in this fairy tale, magical setting And so I'm so curious, how is your relationship different now? 20 years later, the cameras are gone. The gowns, I don't know. They're probably still in your closet. I'm guessing they are. (laughs) I'm guessing you don't wear them. I do not. No. (laughs) No one's setting off fireworks at dinner. No. What does your, what does your relationship look like now? Oh, it's so different. I mean, it's real life. You know, that show was in a way fantastical and fairy tale. And and yes, we found our fairy tale and people watched it in their living rooms and um, they got to see this wedding that was over the top. <laughs> and um, I am the first to admit it. it was totally over the top, but it was um, incredible. It was a wonderful dream come true, you know, yeah. for me who dreamt about my wedding day. It was, it was a fairy tale. And now life is about like, literally this morning I woke up late 
I woke up at 7.45. I'm supposed to wake up at 7 or 7.15 to get the kids ready for bed. They're ready for school. So I wake up late and I'm like, oh my God. So I stress out and I'm like, okay, get up, get up, get up and get your toothbrush and have breakfast and da da da. I drove them to school in my pajamas, you know, without any, without a lick of makeup on, with my glasses on. Like I, that is my, that was my life today. And then, you know, life is really just about what you would think probably everyone's lives, you know, it's, it's, it's carpooling. It's picking the kids up from school. It's trying to get a workout in now that I'm a little more motivated. It's paying the bills and doctor's appointments. I don't know. It's, it's normal, quote unquote, normal life, normal life, normal life, normal life. Most relationships start off with like a bit of passionate intensity. I mean, I know sometimes it's friends and it's a, a, it looks a little bit more gentle, but usually it's not on the same scale as what you experienced on the show, but there are some of those feelings. You get a little starry eyed and like googly and everything feels brighter. And Mm -hmm. speaking of motivation, you feel like I can work out like 17 times a day. I've got so much energy and I'm so excited about life. And then we move into this new level of love. And so I've been thinking about this a lot lately and my husband and I, you know, talk about it and I've, I've been asking other women who are, are married when you have kids, everyone gets significantly more tired. And as we were talking about, like you said, the very first thing that supports you in like your most healthy, positive mindset is sleep. Mm-hmm. And so you go into this space of, as you said, it becomes like, we've got to take care of the kids and of work and we each need a little bit of time for ourselves. And, and so it's this balancing act of honoring the other person and yourself and your children. I mean, it's like highs and lows and all around and all the things. What would you say you're 20 years in now with Ryan? Almost. We're, we're going to be. We're 17. We 17. just celebrated 17 years. Yeah. yeah. What are your ingredients for a successful lasting relationship and marriage? Uh, well, I guess, you know, so far, I feel like we still have things to learn. You know, we are, we're not perfect in our marriage. We, we're in a really solid, good place right now, but there are these highs and lows and who knows if tomorrow's going to, you know, knock everything down and we're going to, you know, have some struggles, who knows, but right now we're in a really solid place. And so for us, I feel like, or for me, at least I, you know, I can't really speak to him for what he feels is important in a marriage, but for me, a lot of it has been forgiveness for even the little things like for saying something, you know, that was hurtful in, in the moment, you know, in a, in a moment of anger or frustration or whatever. So I feel like forgiveness is big. I feel like support is huge, you know, being there for each other unconditionally and just helping each other through our, our hard days. So I was, I had a massive headache last week And I was down for the count, like almost went to the emergency room. Like, I don't know what's going on, but massive headache. And, and luckily he was feeling great. And he was like, 
God forbid, both of us are sick on the same day. What are our kids going to do? And I'm like, well, you know what? This, thankfully, you were feeling great and I wasn't. So you picked up the slack where I couldn't. And that's what you do for each other. You know, you support each other and you work together as a team. I think communication is huge. You know, we've had our struggles with communication over the years and he, he likes to, you know, when things get difficult, maybe not face it head on. And I have to face things head on because if I don't, then all the questions are all over my invading my head and taking over. And my parents were divorced. So I have to like get to the bottom of it because that's a huge fear of mine, you know? So, you know, we have our struggles in communication, but that is huge. You need to talk to each other about what's going on in your life in order to work together. Like I said, as a team. I think laughter is huge and just having fun together, doing the things that you both love together. Like we do, both of us, we love to travel and do little adventures. We love camping. So finding those things that you like together and really embracing your friendship because he is my best friend and enjoying those moments together as as friends. Obviously, love and passion are are part of that as well. They They have to be. I don't know. There's so many things, but I think those are, those are probably the biggest things. Those are incredible. You could have started a podcast on love. <laughs> could have been called love, etc. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. Maybe I'm going to branch out. We're going to do a whole separate, you know, love, etc. parenting, etc. <laughs> you could pull it under the umbrella. You could yeah. build it with your title, better, etc. You can have better relationships, That's parenting, right. all the things. So friendship, communication, support, laughter, love, and passion. And forgiveness. And I love that you said love and passion is an important ingredient, but you really see in everything that you just said there that it's one piece. It's often what we start the relationship on, mm-hmm. but then it grows and sort of opens up into all of these other areas as well. So it's so inspiring getting to see how your relationship began and then little glimpses of it on on Insta. And I just love how you show up on there in such a real authentic way. I think the accounts that you're drawn to, you're also, you know, showing up that way in the world for other women. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I have two last questions for you. The first one is what does self-love mean to you? Uh, gosh, that's something that I feel like I I have also struggled with, um, especially as a parent, I think in, in today's day and age, like we touched on moms, especially are not doing their best if they're not going, going, going and giving, giving, giving and being present all the time. And that means 24 seven. So giving to yourself is difficult because you feel selfish and you feel guilty and you feel shame and all of those things. So that's been hard, but I think that it's so important. I remember when I was a young or younger mom, when my kids were younger Mm -hmm. and realizing, like I, I used to work with this blog called the Hollywood hot moms or hot moms club. And in it, they talked a lot about how you have to fill your own cup in order to give back to the people in your life. Like, Oh, perfect example. And when I wrote my book, so my book is all about gratitude and the power of gratitude. And in it, there's a section where I talk about how you're on a plane. You know how the flight attendant comes on the intercom and they talk about how 
if anything happens and the oxygen comes down, make sure that if you're with a child that you put your oxygen on first yes, so that you can help them. And that was always a perfect example to me of why you need to take care of yourself Mm-hmm. so that you can take care of everybody else in your life so that you can give. So you need to give to yourself in order to be fully present and fully able to give all the love that you want to give. And so I think self-love to me is nurturing myself enough that I have enough energy and love and care to dish out to everybody else in my life, doing the things that make me happy doing like getting a good night's sleep, being with my friends, having a conversation with my friends, you know, spending time on, on trips or traveling, planning those trips and traveling, doing my podcast. It actually really, truly feels me as I know you feel the same way. It just, it, it is so cathartic and I'm learning so much and I feel like I'm, I'm helping the people who are listening and I hope to be able to help more people through these incredible guests like you who come and they share their stories and they share their wisdom. And so I'm learning so much. It's giving me motivation. And actually that, that was the definition of self -care, self care for me this year. You know, I, I was struggling in COVID as I said, and, and I got in an argument with Max and, and I walked away thinking I need to be better. And that's where the light bulb hit yeah. And, and so out of, you know, the shambles that, that is 2020 or was 2020, I came up with this beautiful way to really truly fill my cup. It's a way for me to not only give to myself, but to give back to other people in a way. That's what self-love means to me. Beautiful. If you were to write an email that was going to land in the inbox of every woman on the planet tomorrow morning. <laughs> what would that email say? Wow, that's big. <laughs> I literally just got chills and I think it was because of fear. I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. That's the first um, thing that bubbles up. The first thing. I think that everyone is beautiful in their own way. We are all beautiful. And I think that we all like, actually, I was just, so I don't know if you're watching the bachelor this season, but I was watching part of, I'm not, I'm not totally caught up. So I'm a little far behind, but what's happening right now is there's one girl who's having a really hard time dealing with everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really hard. It's a, it's a, it's a hard experience. It's a lot. And she has a father who has ALS and she gave up her job to be able to go take care of him. So not only is she dealing with the pressures of the show, which are significant for a lot of people, yeah, she's dealing with like leaving her parents and knowing that her father could probably die at any time. She, you know, is probably feeling guilty and really emotional. So she's having a hard time. And the girls are, she ended up interrupting a group date that she was not invited to be on. And the girls on the group date, not all of them got time with the bachelor mm. so they were really upset. They were, and, and I get it. I get that they were upset, but everyone is going through something. You do not know what that something is. Mm. So I just, I looking at the show and thinking, oh, I just wish that they had grace for this, for this one girl who's, who's going through a lot, you know? And I think it's that we all are beautiful 
and that we all are going through something and to, to have a heart of grace for everyone because you just don't know what people are going through. So I, kindness and gratitude goes a long, long, long way. And I, I would love for more people to be focused on the positive these days mm. and showing each other grace and love than just jumping to judgments and, yeah. and negativity. Grace, love, and kindness, literally all the world needs right now, possibly to heal. So beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, literally cracking yourself open to expose all parts of you, including the ones that we sometimes don't like talking about, but that I truly, in my personal experience with so many conversations with women know that we're all feeling universally. And so when women like you or my other guests share these parts of themselves, it allows us to all feel a little less alone in the shit show that is perhaps happening behind the highlight reel. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think it's so important. So thank you for, for having me. I think what you're doing is incredible and just allowing people to know that they are unique and beautiful and, and they the comparisons are really hard. So I just, I, I love that you're spreading love and kindness and positivity as well. Thank you. Go listen to Trista's podcast, Better Etc. We will make sure that we link to it below. You can also grab her book. You can check her out on her uh, TED talk that she did. And please know we will be cheering you on from behind the scenes. And also please get yourself a warm drink and sit yourself down on the couch and just take a break because you've done so much in your life and you're doing so much for women and you really truly also deserve the rest. Thank you, Erin. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.